Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. We welcome you guys again inside Studio Z, inside of our broadcast booth. Sebi, Michael Gray, and the entire cast here of the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming here on WNSC Radio. My opening segment today, guys, is proud and sponsored by all of our official partners here. We've got Discount Tire Shop, Revamp Barbershop, Haifa Hookah Lounge, and a couple others coming up here soon. Mike, what's going on, my man? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me again. Welcome, welcome, welcome here to the show, guys. We got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we'll start off with the biggest notion, of course. You've got the Super Bowl. This was the lowest rated Super Bowl in over a decade since the Patriots and the Giants. Seems like the Patriots are always in the Super Bowl. Um, Mm -hmm. Against the Giants in 2007, only 98.5 million audiences tuned in for Super Sunday in the big game. <laughs> Mike, they said 98.5 is, is as if that's pretty small. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, it, it, what was your first impressions of the Super Bowl? It was 3-3 going into the fourth quarter. Were you surprised that the defenses dominated this game? Um, I, I think that two weeks really helped out Wade Phillips in that Rams defense. It helped out both sides. Both sides. Um, it definitely helped out the Rams' defense, but it also helped out that Patriots' defense as well. All week long, all, for the entire preparation, the, the entire two weeks leading up to Super Bowl weekend, Sebi, all you heard about was, you know, Aaron Donald and you know players on the Rams' defense and and everything with the Patriots. You heard about Tom Brady. You, you didn't hear much about this defense, who actually in the playoffs, outside of the second half against Kansas City, has been has been phenomenal. And they've had spurts throughout the season, but they, they've shown over the season that they can be had. But they they, they, they were easily motivated this game. This this game right here was was their calling. Uh, they, they threw speed on the on the field. I don't know. If, I don't know if you noticed, Sebi, but um, opposite they they had so much speed on this on this defense. This game they really they really changed the lineup in the back half. They 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 really surprised the Rams with blitzes. They continued to get pressure on them. They was bringing different guys. They couldn't block. They couldn't block uh, ninety one. I mean, ninety one for the for the for the Patriots. They Dietrich was, Wise, right? Yes, Wise Wise was in the backfield all game long. I, I really never I never heard of the brother before, but he made a name for himself on this big stage. He did. Dante Hightower was making plays. Stephon Gilmore with that big interception. All pro. Uh, it yep. was, in, in my opinion, it was a great game. I know a lot of people like high scoring games, and they were saying it was a, it was, a, it was one of the most boring Super Bowls. But I'm a, I'm I'm from the old school era of. Defensive games used to be the norm in the NFL. Now, with all the rule changes and stuff like that, it's, it's rare you see a defensive a defensive battle like this. I thought it was a great game. I thought it was a very good game. Two defenses battling it out, uh, making minimal errors, not making too many mistakes, and it, it was a game of defensive field position. The, the special teams had a great part of this game as well, both with both punters, especially uh, Zerline I was just, and Hecker, and, and it was it was it was it was an amazing game. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, we. Once, once you you can't score three points. You can't score three points in a game and think you're gonna beat Tom Brady. So once 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 you went into the game and you only had three points into the fourth quarter, the defense played great. But at some point, Tom Brady was gonna prevail and make that one or two, one of those one or two drives to win the game. And it just it just seemed like Jared Goff and Sean McVay weren't ready for the moment. They Sean McVay was out coached by Bill Belichick. There was and Jared Goff was was out was outplayed by that defense. It was. It was it was it was chess. It was chess. They was they was continuously playing chess with each other. And Jared Goff missed a lot of reads, and he he, he continues to get put, got pressure in the space. They didn't use Todd Gurley uh, nearly enough at all. Uh, only eleven carries for thirty four yards. Um, I wonder if he was hurt, but even if he wasn't hurt, the Super Bowl, I was I was still surprised that they. Yeah, he wasn't getting a lot of rushes and, and yards yards rushing, but I thought they would use him more coming out the backfield and stuff like that. But I was I was disappointed at how the Rams offense looked in the Super Bowl because we've seen them put up big numbers all year long and it, it was a bad performance for them. But their defense played amazing and hats off to the hats off but hats off to the Patriots, man, that they were the better team and Tom Brady is <laughs> he just added another ring to his finger, man. <laughs> Indeed so and, and you hit a lot of key points here and I'll get back to some of them. But 
Um, in a game in a modern age today where offenses and explosive offenses and fireworks light up everywhere, kind of like what you said, I, I was raised in that era with you as well, Mike. You know, it, coming back from the old rugged Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers rivalry, the, the 10 to threes, the 9 to 6 games. Uh, yes. You had um, the Ed Reeds, the, well, Ed Reed, Hall of Famer. Congrats to right. my man being in the Hall of Fame. The Absolutely. best free safety ever in the game there. Had to mention him there, my man, Ed Reed. And, yeah. and we came up and raising up and seeing games like the Seattle Seahawks against the 49ers. Uh, and when that rivalry was going on, great defenses. And then in a modern age where there's a lot of explosive offenses, this was a really good defensive game. The Rams yes, really paid attention. They took full advantage of that two weeks to prepare. And, and Wade Phillips came with the scheme to pressure with four and not really blitz. And and Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib did make some plays, although Talib did get um, beat on a couple short routes intermediate with Julian Edelman, who became Super Bowl MVP. Nevertheless, <laughs> though, um, I thought that that game plan is where Tom Brady really attacked because Talib is an outside corner, not an inside corner. Uh, so that's where the Achilles was. But I, I really think that the, the Rams really took advantage of those two weeks to prepare. Now, with the Rams having two weeks to prepare, so did Bill Belichick in the New England Absolutely. Patriots. I mean, you yep. talk about and, – and put this into perspective. I want you to think about this, Mike. Let's look at all three first halves of the Patriots' Super Bowl run this postseason. All three first halves. They were up 35-7 against the Chargers. They hold the Chargers yep. to seven points at half. They went at Arrowhead, a place that nobody wins at. They went there. They – Blanketed the most explosive, potent offense in the NFL that had the most points in the regular season in the Kansas City Chiefs to zero. And this game here, they blanketed the Rams to zero points, leading at half three to zero. And mm -hmm. and you have to say what a phenomenal job that not only Bill Belichick has done, but Brian Flores, who's going to be the next head coach of the Dolphins moving on forward. They did a masterful job. I mean, when you talk about uh, a gap blitzes. You had safety blitzes. I mean, Jared Goff just looked like a puppet. You know, the, the stage was too big for him. You saw Tony Romo um, after the, the passes showing the recaps of different reads that he missed, whether that be Robert yes. Woods over the middle, whether that be um, some shallow routes to Brandon Cooks um, on a deep out. You saw Jared Goff really struggling. I think the key stat of the game was the Rams three for 15 on third down. Third down yeah. is huge. Anytime you play the Patriots, third downs is going to be huge because that determines if Brady's going to get back the ball or if you continue to move the chains. And I thought that this not only was a poor performance on Jared Goff, but also Sean McVay calling the play. I thought the magic number had to be 25. You have to give Todd Gurley at least 25 carries. Only 11. Yes. You can't give uh, uh, C.J. Anderson only uh, uh, more Todd Gurley and and hey look man if you're if I'm a Rams fan and you said we're gonna hold Tom Brady to three points going into the fourth quarter I would have signed up for it why because I said my oh. defense has played good thus far and I would think that our offense could score against New England and that really wasn't right. the case and 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 there you go uh, Brady and Belichick joining only Curl Lambeau and John Hollis as the only six head coaches and players to win six rings in NFL history. Yeah, man, this this was this was an amazing this was an amazing game. Man. It's, it, it's a testament to their consistency, the their competitive nature. They they're a great duo, man. They're very competitive and we've seen this our entire our entire lives watching the game, man. And and to, to piggyback off what you said about about Sean McVay and, and Jared Goff. The the Patriots the, the Patriots had a had a game plan. The, 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 they had the perfect game plan. Stop Todd Gurley, stop the run, force Jared Goff to be the hero. I thought Jared Goff could I didn't know if he would win the game, but I thought he would good enough to the point where it would it would he'd be battling with Brady. I, to be honest with you, if Brady would have looked like the normal Brady that we're used to seeing, this game would have been over by half. Absolutely. I mean the Rams could do nothing offensively in the first half. They moved the ball somewhat in the second half, and you know, so a little bit, and but but only mustered three points the entire time, 
And the, the Patriots offense, to be honest with you, they didn't punt those first. They actually moved the ball down the field those first three drives. Right. That first end of that first drive was an interception. The second drive was down the field, but they missed the field goal. And then that third drive was when they got the field goal. So it was like those first three drives. They they kind of set the they, tone. Right. Yeah, they, it basically set the tone for the game. And it, it gave the Patriots confidence letting them know that, hey, we can move the ball on this defense. Now, now the Rams defense tightened up for the, for the majority of the game throughout until the fourth quarter. But when it came down to it, it's just come on. That, that that final drive, he when he hit drunk, he hit Gronkowski, he hit Adam, and he was he was just hitting everybody, man. It's just it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see him perform in the fourth quarter in the clutch in the biggest moment. Lastly, here, Mike, before we we uh, switch subjects here, Julian Edelman, um, ten catches, ten receptions for one forty one, a big game. Yeah. Um, he really just occupied third down and also the middle of the field. Um, I thought that despite the Rams' great performance defensively, I thought Julian Edelman was the one answer that they didn't have an answer for mm-hmm. because Marcus Peters and Tlaib were the two great outside guys, but I wasn't sure about uh, Mikel Roby Coleman inside in that slot position, inside the numbers against Julian Edelman, and Brady and Edelman really exposed that. When we talk, start talking about Canton, Ohio, and, and, and talk about the Hall of Fame status, now that Julian Edelman has three rings. He doesn't have the numbers like these all-star freakish nature outside receivers do. But what he does inside the numbers is really important. He has the rings. He has the legacy and now the Super Bowl MVP. When we start talking about Canton, Ohio, should we mention Julian Edelman's name? I think I think we need to see a little bit more before because – it, it, it raises my question. It, may, it raises the question I have when it when it comes to Julian Edelman. If that if, if we're putting Julian Edelman in the conversation of Hall of Fame, then what's the standard of the Hall of Fame? Right. Is it is it Super Bowl team accomplishments or is it individual accomplishments? Julian Edelman is a great player and he's had a great career so far. He's had a he's had he's had, he's put up solid numbers, but has he put up Hall of Fame numbers? I don't. I don't know. Do you think he's a product it, of the system? Yes, I think he is. But I don't. I, but, but when I say product of the system, I mean he's a product of the system because that's what we've seen him in. Like I think he's a great player, and he could be another. He can be a good. He can be a good football player on another team. But he's a great player in New England. You get what I'm saying? Like right. he, he's a great player in New England because of because of that system. So in a way, yes, I can see that. But we haven't seen him in another system, so we don't know if he could excel in that. All, all I'm saying is, if we're going to put him in the Super Bowl, I'm not Super Bowl, excuse me, in the Hall of Fame conversation, I know this brother doesn't have three rings, but you tell me the difference between Julian Edelman and San Antonio Holmes. Right. They, they San Antonio Holmes won a Super Bowl. Yeah, they have identical numbers. numbers. They have two rings, right. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, he has one ring. He went to the other Super Bowl, but they didn't win, but he, he has one ring. But he was the MVP of that ring, and, and he caught that amazing catch from Big Ben. So he puts up similar numbers. Granted, he doesn't have – but they have the same amount of Super Bowl MVPs. So my, my only question is, what's the standard of the Hall of Fame? Is it career accomplishments or individual accomplishments? And two, if if Julian Edelman's in the conversation, I, I feel like San Antonio Holmes should be in there as well. <laughs> Indeed so. And, Mike, you hit it right on the dot. You have a guy like Isaac Bruce that played for the greatest show on turf in the Rams, over 15,000 right. career – uh, 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 receiving yards, he's had to wait till now to, to still get in. So right. I, I, the, it's a really competitive for receivers. Nevertheless, Mike says to pump the brakes on Julian Edelman, regardless of his three rings. But the New England Patriots hosting their sixth Super Bowl title, their ninth appearance in franchise history, only tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers and themselves for the most Lombardi trophies of all time. When we come back, Mike, Mark Cuban says he wants Mike, he wants Kristaps Porzingis to be in Dallas for 20 years. Oh, yeah. We'll go ahead yeah, he and wants discuss to the Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks blockbuster trade last week. You're listening to the SEBI Podcast Show, streaming here on WNSE Radio.
And we're back here on WNSC Radio here on the Sebi Podcast Show. Myself, Michael Gray, product of Virginia, there with us here. Mark Cuban, what a gamble, man. I mean, this guy, Mark Cuban, the businessman, the genius that he is, Mike. I think he just pulled a jack of all trades. Now, I really had a chance to think about this. Don't get me wrong. I had a, I had a chance to think about this because my initial impressions were this. What the heck? are the New York Knicks doing? This is their franchise piece. They finally got a, 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 a franchise guy since uh, the great late Patrick Ewing. You know, when you think about Mad, uh, 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 the Knicks, you think about superstars. You think Bernard King. You think Patrick Ewing, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, 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 you think of great names. And you finally, out of every time, you finally got your hands. Uh, uh, Phil Jackson finally got the guy in Porzingis and you traded him. And then I had the chance a day or two to think about it. And I said this. The Knicks are gambling on the 2019 free agency. They they create they have created space to max two, not one, but two prize free agents. They're, they're gambling on getting Zion as the number one overall pick. They've got the 14% chance to win a lot of you this year. And they're gambling on getting two key pieces, guys. And my question is this, Mike. I see what the Knicks are doing. They're getting rid of bad contracts, which is good. But you had better. You had better get you some prize free agents. Because if you don't, that bad franchise that the New York Knicks already are, and Jack Dolan, all of that is going to fall back on you because you had Chris Tasswood Genius and you let him go. Now, on the Dallas perspective on this, what a, what a gamble. Rick Carlisle, who I think is a very underrated coach. We very. forget what he did going into the zone when LeBron wasn't a volume shooter at the time in Miami. Going into that zone and forcing LeBron to shoot and daring him to shoot mid-range to three-point shots when he wasn't a great of a shooter at the time and arguably one of the poorest performances in his resume. Yes. When the count, when the Mavs beat the Heat on their first year with Wade Bosch and himself in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki being finals MVP, averaging almost 26 a game that finals time and, and he pulled a jack of all trades I think Rick Carlton still coach the businessman that Mark Cuban he still is gambled now you've got Doncic now you've got Porzingis after your cornerstone pillar players to go along with an underrated player that Tim Hardaway Jr. is uh, Tim Hardaway is, is, is fantastic man right. I, people don't watch a lot of Knicks games I tune a lot of Knicks games I see Tim Hardaway Jr. 29 Tim Hardaway Jr. 27 Tim Hardaway 22 he is a 18 to 20 point per game score. You put him in that backcourt with Doncic, and then you've got Trey Burke um, coinciding as the backcourt off the bench. Dallas really did a lot, really did a lot. And I think moving on forward, along with Doncic and Porzingis, that European chemistry, I think that all of a sudden now, Dallas may look like a great destination for key free agents here. So when you think about it, is this, the Knicks are banking on their future. And they might have done something nice, but yet better think of getting at least one. You, if you don't get two, you, you had better get KD Kemba, who's a New York guy. You had better get Kyrie. You had better get somebody because if you don't, this will haunt the Knicks franchise forever. And then on the Dallas side of perspective, all of a sudden now there are expectations. Now looking on for the eight to ten years down the line. Who would you want to be in the Western Conference? Would you want to be the Denver Nuggets with all this young talent, yo kids, Michael Porter Jr.? Or perhaps would you want to be the Dallas Mavericks with Doncic, Porzingis, and Co.? And they've set themselves in position and looking to be primed to make a deep run in the Western Conference in the next eight to 10 seasons. What, what were your take on, on the trade there, Mike? My take was... Like you said, Dallas is in a great position because they have two bona fide franchise players, young players that are selfless, selfless, humble, hardworking, and and and, and as you can see, because as you can see before the trade happened, they actually like each other. So I think they they hit the jackpot. Mark Cuban is one of those owners, one of those owners that's very savvy, and very creative, and what very aggressive. And I'm not, I'm not surprised at all he was able to find a way to pull this trade off because that's just what he does. And I believe, I believe, like he said, I don't know if he'll be there for the next 20 years because of how injury-prone he is, but 
I, I, I read between the lines. He, he wants Jose to be there for a long time. And I, if, if they have continued success and they can start to win, he'll definitely be in Dallas for Dallas for a while. I think Dallas feels good after this trade, no matter what New York niggas, the, the New York, what happens. Well, well let York me put niggas. you in Mark Cuban's shoes here, Mike. If you're yeah. Mark Cuban, uh, you know Porzingis has an injury prone, 23 years old. You pairing up with 19-year-old Yuka Doncic. You know that he's yeah. injury prone. But pre that, pre being injured, Mike, uh, uh, you have Christoph Porzingis is a 22 and 12 guy. So, yeah. Uh, do you do you still make that trade and you gamble on? Yes, because I look at his injury as a good thing. I look at his injury, him him being injury prone early in his career. As a good as a good thing, and I'm gonna tell you why. When you when you he never played college ball. He came straight out. He was playing overseas, and he and he came over here um, to the NBA. He never played against this type of, uh, I guess, competition. Type, competition. So he had to get bigger. He had to get stronger. His body was soft. So the, the continuous issues only helped him because it only got his body right and got his body prepared for what's to come. I feel like we've yet to see the best of Porzingis. We've yet to see the best of him, and he's only going to get better. He's only going to get smarter with the game. Rick Carlisle is a great underrated coach, like you said. If I'm Mark Cuban, I understand that, yes, he has injury problems, but those injuries can definitely help him in the future because I don't see him getting getting that injury, being as injury prone in the future as he was in the past because his body's getting stronger. He's, he's, he's not as soft as he once was, and and it's gonna it's gonna help him out with this game. And if, if I'm Mark Cuban, I was thinking, okay, I have a great coach, in Rick, a very underrated great coach in Rick Carlisle, who I know it will win, win, will can help put Donkage and Porzingis in the right position. He knows how to use and utilize his talent. Absolutely, I would have made that trade because yeah, it's a special it's a special talent. Yes, Dennis Smith Jr. is a great player, and I know Mark Cuban probably has some second thoughts about letting letting go of Dennis Smith Jr. because of his upside and his talent. If he had, if if Mark if Mark Cuban had his had his choice, he probably would have kept Dennis Smith Jr. and added Porzingis and had a big three right there. Well, I, well, Mike, I, I I have to say this. I have to say in, in Mark Cuban and Nicola's eyes, I think this was the, the trade he had to make. I mean, I think about this in a handful of players coming out since 2003. This is when LeBron. Yeah. This is the LeBron area. 2003. You have LeBron, right? Yeah. You've got Anthony Davis, right? You've got Carmelo Anthony, and now you've got Luka Doncic. I mean, when you think about this, these are transcendent pantheon players. You just look at Luka Doncic, man. As a teen, 19-year-old, the, the, only the great LeBron James compares the numbers of what this guy is doing at yep. just the age of 19. Guys like that, and I think that he had to make the move because the cohesion and the cohesiveness between himself and Dennis Smith Jr. was not working out in that backcourt. And he right. knew that. We all know Dennis Smith is talented. I mean, the, the brother has a 48-inch vertical. He could dunk. He can handle. He can score. You know? So the Knicks are actually getting the play that they should have drafted. Yeah. A couple years Exactly. Ago. Exactly. So, and, and, and they are getting him. And maybe they turn the page and they start something new out there. But when you look at what Dallas ha has now... I get the Porzingis thing, but my thing is they added depth. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a fantastic player. This is a great uh, two-way player. And then you have Courtney Lee, a great 3 and D player well uh, as well. I thought that not only Dallas got better in the long term, the short term, with uh, two great two-way players in Courtney Lee and uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. that are great defensive players and offensive scorers. But also in the long run, you've got Don Chich and Porzingis. I mean, how can you be mad about that? No, you right. definitely can't. You can't be that. That Dallas looks good all the way around. The only concern I have is the Knicks. The Knicks. The only concern I have is that because the Knicks are such a dysfunctional organization, and they they they're they're so used to lose. Like granted, a lot of a, a lot of players in the a lot of players in the league like David Fisdale. They really respect David Fisdale and what he's what he's done over the years and his tenure with Miami. A lot of a lot of them felt like he got the he got a raw deal out there in Memphis. And right, so, right. but a lot of the players really look. That that's one of the only things I can see attracting players to come play for the Knicks is the fact that David Fisdale is their head coach. Outside of that, I really, the Knicks really gambled here because I really find it hard to believe that they can find two 
free agents and sign them into the into this. It, it, I think it, it would happen, but man, it's, it's a gamble. It's gonna be it's a big time gamble, and it's, it's gonna have what to a be risk. A, a special. It's gonna have to be a special two two players that really like playing with each other, and it's gonna it's gonna have to be the right fit. Man, if it doesn't work out like you said, wow, you you not only would you look bad and not getting those free agents, but you look bad because you just got rid of a franchise player. Well, sources has said that it's Kevin Durant. They're, they've they've been praying for this and, and they've been uh, kind of creating this project since 2017. They've they've been keep having their eye on the prize free agent and Kevin Durant, uh, the special talent, the once in a generation type player that he is, the gifted man that he is in Kevin Durant. So they're thinking that Kevin Durant is ideally the guy. He has the ties with New York, um, with his owner and his agent. So they're, they're, they're thinking that Kevin Durant is the guy. And with Kevin Durant, they're hoping that if Kevin Durant comes along, that will attract, whether it be a Kyrie Irving, whether that be Kemba Walker who comes back home, whether that be uh, a Klay Thompson or or others. So when what's your uh, thinking of what the Knicks are doing in this 2019 summer? <sighs> Well, all right, all right, let's say, hypothetically speaking, let's say if Kevin Durant does come in. One thing, I'll tell you one player who I don't see going to the New York Knicks if Kevin Durant comes in is Kyrie Irving. Because I it agree. Will be no, it, it, will be nothing but a, it will be nothing short of another LeBron situation. Kyrie left, Kyrie left LeBron because he was tired of being in the LeBron shadow. If he goes to New York and plays with KD, he'll be in KD's shadow. It'll right. be KD's team. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't think he wants that, that that type. Of, I can see a Kemba Walker going to New York and playing for the Knicks. I can see. I that. can see. I could possibly. I could possibly if 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 with another with a number one guy like a KD. I could possibly see a a, a Clay Thompson coming to New York. Guys like that that don't that 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 don't care about you know being the man and all that type of stuff. I could definitely see that happen. I don't see Kyrie Irving going there because he left LeBron. You know, he he left the Cavs for that type of situation. I don't know if the Knicks would fit would fit his style of play, but it's it's going to be interesting, man. We it's going to be interesting to see what the Knicks do because this 2019 free agency will tell, tell everything. They definitely freed up a lot of space to get two marquee big time players. And I mean, I think another thing that 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 is in favor of the New York Knicks is that it's New York. It's the mecca. It's the, it's the mecca of basketball. It's, it's in Madison Square Garden. It's the Garden. market, right? It's, the, it's, it's one of the outside of LA. It's the second. It's like one and one with the biggest. It's probably the biggest market in the country, right? As far as, as, far as media wise and stuff like that. So uh, we'll see, man. But they, they definitely have a shot at two big time players. But I just the, the question is who? We just don't know who at this point. <laughs> all these all these different speculations, speculations, man. It's, just, it's, it's so it's it's always changing. They're putting all their eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, right. Well, in the words of Jay-Z, you'd better get somebody in New York. New York, New York. Extra, yeah. extra. Read all about it because that New York media is definitely something serious. When we come back here on WNSC Radio, myself and Jared, and, um, Jared as well as Mike, said find something very peculiar. The great scorer, the great mumba that Kobe Bryant said something very interesting about the elite talent offensively that James Harden is and talk about Kobe's former team the Lakers and what they've offered and trying to do to alert Anthony Davis to Los Angeles you're listening to the Sevy Podcast show streaming here on WNSC Radio Welcome back here to the Sebi Podcast Show. The great one, the Mamba Mentality Coach. So something very interesting about the greatness of James Harden. James Harden extended his 30-point-per-game streak to 26 last night, dominating against a very woeful Phoenix Suns team. The great Kobe Bryant sat down with the jumps, Rachel Nichols, and talked about the greatness of James Harden, and something very interesting that I think will surprise and caught the eyes of America. Let's take a listen about Kobe's take on James Harden. Hmm. What are you doing right now? 
I think he, I'm not a fan of in terms of winning championships. I don't think that style is ever going to win championships. But at the same time, you have to keep your team's head above water to win games. So you have to do what you have to do to win games. And he's doing that. Right? Now, I think... Um, so are you saying you don't think James Harden and the Rockets, as constructed, can win a title? Not with this style of play, it won't win. Right? With one player dominating the ball. Now when you have Chris Ball come back and you have more, more movement, to the offense, when you move guys around, where you're harder to find. And Chris Paul's back, but you mean more in the Yeah, because listen, yeah. if you take one player, you put him at the top of the key, or you put him on the wing, and you're running screen rolls, you're always in front of the defense. The defense can key on that, particularly in the playoffs. And that's easy, easy to guard. defend. Yeah. It's easy to defend. Now, what he's doing is absolutely remarkable, though. And I think um, it's, a, it's a testament to how remarkable it is because uh, people are now trying to minimize what it is that he's doing. He, I mean, he's doing some phenomenal stuff. That was the great Kobe Bryant there um, talking to Rachel Nichols. I, I found this very funny, my man, uh, Mike. <laughs> uh, the greatness that uh, uh, Kobe Bryant is. I'm, I bleed green. You know, I'm a C's guy. Kobe okay. Bryant used to be an assassin. The killer's mentality that he is, I believe yes. he's the closest thing to Jordan that we've seen. And he used to kill us, man. If without Tony Allen, I don't know how we win a couple of rings. We're, uh, uh, going against Kobe, Gasol, Lamar Odom, and, and Derek Fisher and co. back in the early 2000s there. And I found this funny. Kobe, what are you talking about? You, you, you're you an isolation player yourself. You're the one who always demanding the ball. You demand the greatness that, that Kobe Bryant is. You demand excellence. You demand the ball. When times get rough, you want to get a bucket, we give it to the mumba. And now, all of a sudden, I'm not sure if the game has changed and more spacing and five and out that nowadays that you have to have uh, uh, key more pieces, two, three super teams to beat Golden State Warriors. What the Warriors have kind of, you know, uh, uh, showed what the NBA has. It, it, it can it can't take one to win a ring. But Kobe, you were the guy. You were the guy. I found this very ironic, Mike. What's going on here? I, mean, I, think, I understand I think, the keys I, about D'Antoni. I understand he used to coach D'Antoni. I understand that Kobe didn't like D'Antoni when he coached him with Steve Nash and Dwight Howard with that project. But come on, Kobe. Don't do that to me. I, I, as much as I, you know what I'm saying, I hate you when you play my Celtics. I respect you, my brother. You're supposed to stick up for James Harden right now. I, I thought it was pretty funny. What were your takes there, Mike? I think you may have missed... I think you may have mis misunderstood what he where, where he was coming from and what he was trying to say. I Kobe, Kobe, enlighten me, Mike. Kobe, what he's Kobe, trying to say. What, what Kobe was trying to say was this: James Harden is playing great right now. This style of play will not win a championship. It won't. His, his, his continuous dribble, 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 uh, uh, step back threes, and it won't win a championship. Like he, he, he will not win a championship like this, based on this roster as well. Being you. You rarely ever see somebody win a championship by themselves. If they, if they, if a superstar wins a championship by themselves, i.e. Dirk Nowitzki and i.e. Kobe Bryant in those last two championships, that means they have a very good team around them. This this Rockets team, as constructed right now, as as injured as they are, what Kobe was saying is, like this, his numbers look good now in the regular season. They won't look this good in the playoffs. They will key Absolutely. on you in the playoffs. They will make sure that you. Somebody else beats them outside of you. And with this constructed roster right now, outside of James Harden, who do you who is a legitimate threat that you are scared of on the offensive side of the ball? That's what Kobe was saying. Now Kobe was right in what he was saying about you have to continue to do what you have to do to win games to keep your team uplifted. And that's what that's what James Harden is doing now. He's doing what he needs to do to win games for his team to keep his team in high spirits until they, until they get all their pieces back. But He's absolutely right. They can't. Now he's now granted. He said when Chris Paul gets back, when when everybody gets gets healthy again, and you start to see the ball move, Capella and everybody, you start to see the ball movement. You don't you don't just key on James Harden. You have to worry about CP3. You have to worry about Clint Capella. You have to worry about all those players. When Co and Gordon, Eric Gordon, right. right? And to get to piggyback on what you said about Kobe Bryant used to play the same way. You're right. Kobe Bryant used to play the same way. But Kobe Bryant, as far as championship wise, Kobe Bryant never won a championship. Playing this style of basketball, you gotta you gotta realize right. Kobe Bryant. His first three rings, he had a Shaquille O'Neal with him. There's no Shaquille O'Neal on this Rockets team, so he he had and it was a solid team. It was a great defensive team. 
that the, one of the all-time great Lakers teams of the 2000-2001 team. And then also those, no the, those, those two rings that he won outside of Shaq had a great team. You named them. Paul Gasol, Andrew Bynum, Derek Fisher, uh, uh, Luke Walden. Those Lamar players. Odom. Lamar Odom, all, all those players. He had a great team. They don't have the team right now for him to be playing like this to win. They can't beat Golden State playing like this. Heck, they can barely beat no any doubt. teams in the Western Conference playing this style of play. But James Harden spoke. But um, Ashley Neville, she's a she's a sports reporter um, out there in Arizona. She asked James Harden this question after the game. She asked him his thoughts on what Kobe had to say about winning the championship. And and I'm paraphrasing here, but these were some of James Harden's words. He he basically said, "Well, right now we have a lot of injuries, and right now I, this is the style of play that I have to play." To win games, now, now he basically agreed with Kobe and said, "You know, long, down the long long run, you might be right, Kobe. Maybe we can't. You, we probably can't win a championship like this. But once we get our pieces together, once we get everybody healthy, who knows? Man, then we'll, we'll look like a totally different team, and I won't be playing like this. Because you're right, they can't win a championship like this. But Kobe wasn't saying, oh, uh, he, uh, he he can't be the isolation player.'" All Kobe was saying was playing like this. He's putting up great numbers, but he's not going to be putting up these type of numbers in the playoffs because defenses are going to key on him easily. And and you and he and you said something very interesting. And and I and I finally agree with you. Although I had some umph and emotion there <laughs> <laughs> uh, with with the great Kobe Bryant. There, you hit something very interesting because I think the key piece is Chris Paul. I believe he's a first ballot yes. Hall of Famer, regardless of not being in, in a champ, never playing in the finals, mm. never having, um, you know, that winning the big game. He's got the statistics, the, the defensive prowess that he is as a defender, um, the, the great orchestrator, the great general floor manager that he is. When he comes back, I think that's going to have to be the difference maker for them. Chris Paul is not only going to have to be uh, 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 the floor manager, but I think he's going to have to dictate tempo, mm. being the guy to be assertive and aggressive as well. And if that happens, we've seen they took the Warriors to seven next last year. Let's see what the Rockets can do. And, and I agree with you with that. Because come postseason time, the Steve Kerrs of the world, the Luke Waltons of the world, the LeBron James, they're going to have a game plan to get the ball out of your hands. And we know what you can do. We don't know what uh, uh, Austin Rivers can exactly. do. We, we don't know what uh, Gerald exactly. can do. You know, we're going to have forced these other guys yep. to beat us. And that's a very key component that you had there. But, I, I again, I just thought that that was very interesting there. But I want to shift gears here and talk about Kobe's former team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, it's been told by sources, multiple sources, that they got an offer sheet to the New Orleans Pelicans. And they basically dismissed it. They want more. It's been reported they want four first-round picks. It could be two first-rounders, two second-rounders. They want a, a collection of four picks, along with the young players of Kuzma, Ingram, Ball, Hart, whatever package that, you know, Magic Johnson and Jim, Jimmy Buss wants to package to send to New Orleans to Dell Dems. And, and I thought that they're very interesting. But here's my thing to you, um, before we listen to the soundbite here about what New Orleans is doing. Um, my question to you is this. Is the New Orleans Pelicans asking for too much, and are they putting their baskets, their eggs in all in, all, in one basket, trying to get all these trade assets and all these young pieces for a great player like Anthony Davis? And, and I want to get your take on that right after we listen to First Things First here with Nick Wright. He had something interesting to say about what the New Orleans Pelicans uh-huh. are doing. But the Pelicans are getting close now. If you are saying, we want all your young players, no problem. I suggested that early on, that the Lakers would have to do that. And then you're saying, we also want you to take on bad contracts, most notably Solomon Hill. All right, that's where you're, if you're the Lakers, you say, well, that could hurt some of our flexibility to add other pieces. And then you say, and we don't want two first-round picks, which I think would have been totally reasonable, but three and maybe four first-round picks. What you're saying is, we want everything you are allowed to offer. We, you can't offer more than four first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Cap-wise, you can only take on one of the bad contracts if you're, and you, you want all of the young players. I, Anthony Davis is such a great player that you can't dismiss any request out of hand. But if I were the Pelicans, my, I would be nervous that I might be overplaying my hand slightly 
only because they are forcing the Lakers to negotiate against a theoretical offer, most notably from the Boston Celtics, that if Kyrie Irving leaves, will never exist. The, the offer they are holding over the Lakers' head is, you know the Celtics are going to offer Tatum. But we don't know that the Celtics will offer Tatum. And the Pelicans, if, if I think there is a middle ground of all the young players, two first-round picks, and we'll fight and push and pull on will we take a bad contract. But if the Pelicans walk away from that, and this summer Kyrie leaves, and Anthony Davis stays clear, I'm not staying long-term in Boston, then Boston's best offer is going to be Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and future picks. That was the great Nick right there on First Things First. He's basically saying that the New Orleans Pelicans has the leverage right now. They want everything. But are they really banking and putting all their eggs in one basket there? And I'll go ahead and get your reaction. Yeah, well, it's good to hear them finally answer the phone for LA. You know, last week they were ignoring <laughs> their calls all week. Now they finally get... They've been ignoring the yeah, calls. They finally <laughs> had a conversation. But um, it's, when, when it comes to these picks, Sebi, I think, I think New Orleans is when it comes to you talking about four first round picks. Now I, I do have a question for you before I before I answer this real, real quick, Sebi. When he said four first round picks, was he saying four first round picks and the young talent that the Lakers have, or just the four first first round picks? They were saying the four first round picks and the young assets. Yeah, that yeah. The See, when you're, when you're, meaning when you're, meaning it could be four first round picks or. It could be a collection. It could be two first round picks and two seconds and the young talent. So what what the what basically the 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 Pelicans are saying here is we know that you want Anthony Davis, but we are gonna try to get everything from you that we can possibly right. get trading Anthony right. Davis. So what's your take on my that? take is if if that's the case, then if I'm the Lakers, I, I, I'm gonna say it again. I don't see if you want if I'm the Lakers. I'm gonna I'm 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 paint the picture for the from the Lakers perspective real quick. If I'm the Lakers, I don't I'm not getting rid of all of my young talent just to get Anthony Davis and all of those picks just to get Anthony Davis. Because think about it, LeBron James and just Anthony Davis with a subpar rest of your team is not gonna get you a championship. I would wait until if I'm the Lakers, I would wait until his contract is up. Wait until the end of the season. No, when I wait until the end of the season, wait until it's possibility that he's a free agent, and and sign him right there and keep and still keep some of my assets. I don't want to give away. I don't want to give away Kyle Kuzma and some of the young players. I need. But by that time, Mike. But by that time in 2020, LeBron James will be in his third year of the four-year, 154 million dollar contract that he signed, and 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 LeBron will be 36 at the time. He's only aging. There's that a lot of mileage right. that is true. in that. Now, do you think that they can hold off on that? Because I think there's a lot of pressure on uh, – you're talking to a guy like um, Magic Johnson. This is why he got this position. We, you came here, you got this position to bring it's something. A lot of, so, and they wait. It's a, it's, a lot of pressure on, it's a lot of pressure on him because he, he knows that he needs another – he needs to get LeBron James another superstar so they can legitimately compete for a title. And he feels like right now the only player that wants to play with LeBron is Anthony Davis. Because outside of that, nobody's making noise saying, oh, I want to come to L.A. to play with LeBron. So I think, yeah, he feels he definitely feels some pressure, but I, I just hope he, he doesn't make, make the mistake of tra- trading away all of his players just to get Anthony Davis right now. Like, I, I, need, I, I don't know what the rest of your team is. It's going to look like after you get Anthony Davis. Now, when it comes to Boston, Boston is in the best possible situation. Especially if Kyrie Irving resigns, if Kyrie like the the, re, the reason that, that Boston hasn't gone after AD right now all the way is because they don't know if Kyrie is going to resign, and they can't right. they can't do it they can't do it because of because of the Kyrie they can't sign him right now because because of the Kyrie rule. They're like the yeah, I mean I mean the rose right. the rose deal, you know what I mean? So the, so the, I think they at the end of the season they have the best opportunity, and that they have the better trade assets. So we'll see, man. But I, I think the Lakers. And Danny Ainge has actually reached out to Del Gimson saying that hold on until July yes. 1st so we can we can get until there. We, so we can figure uh, out what Kyrie's going to do. And, and this is what's the scary to me with Magic. Uh, the, the scary part to me is I think he really wants to get this now because he knows if Danny Ainge, the great GM that he is, uh, it seems like the brother's always robbing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't want him to get involved. And I think that's where the pressure really comes on 
on um, on Magic Johnson because let me tell you a scenario here, Mike, and, and listen out. Gotcha. Let's say Boston lands Anthony Davis, okay. right? Let's say KD goes to New York. Gotcha. Clay Thompson happens to go to either Milwaukee, Brooklyn, or a Clipper. Okay. Um, let's say Kemba Walker. Let's say Lakers only end up with Kemba Walker and Kyrie Irving resigns. Um, Mike Conley perhaps goes to an Indiana or a Jazz team, and the Lakers are only held with Kemba Walker. You're in L.A. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny in that media. I think there's a lot of pressure right now on on not only Jim Buss, but also Magic Johnson to pull some strings because they're running out of time. They sure are, man. They're running out of time. And I, I see why he's really going after AD or why if they want him. But it's just it's, a lot. it's dicey, man. It's, it really, it's really dicey. Because I understand right. the pressure that he's under. LeBron's 34 years old. He's not getting any younger. Like you said, he'll be 36 by the time AD's New Orleans contract will be up. So correct. It, it's 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 a dicey it's a dicey situation for Magic. Um, I'm sure he'll find a way because you know he, he's a brilliant he's a brilliant brother, and I'm sure he'll find a way to make something happen. But um, we'll, but we'll we'll see, man. Right now, because right now, to be honest, Sebi, a lot of these players don't even know where they're gonna go next year. A lot of right. these players are waiting until next season to figure out where they're gonna go or where they. So it, we'll 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 see we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Definitely here. Uh, you got Jimmy Butler as well. That's maybe a guy right. that make want to pair with with uh, LeBron James as well. Always wants a team that's a hardworking team. Yep. No other guy than LeBron James to add into that mix. But uh, before we end the show here today, Mike, um, there's a lot of key guys that uh, before the deadline here that aren't named Anthony Davis that may be traded. I'm going to name two, and you tell me where will they land in one word. Um, you've got Mike Conley Jr. and perhaps Detroit wanting to fix um, and getting and out of that bad contract that Blake Griffin has. Um, those two key names, along with Marc Gasol, where do they think they, they go? Mike Conley. Hmm. Hmm. Mike, I, I can see Mike Conley going. I can, you, said, you, said, you said Mike Conley and Marc Gasol or Mike Conley and uh, Blake Griffin? There's Mike Conley, Mark Gasol, and Blake Griffins are in 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 discussions here. I think Blake really wants to go back home to Oklahoma. He played his college ball there. Wow. Kind of wow. pair up with Oklahoma City oh, with Paul wow. George and and um and Russell Westbrook. Oh, I'm not sure if Sam Presti wow. wants to do that. I don't know if they have this flexibility to do that because they have two max contracts already. But that's where Blake's heart is at. Oh. You've got Mike Conley getting interest uh, from the Jazz, the Magic. Guys, uh, uh, teams like um, uh, uh, the Indiana Pacers, Villito Oladipo is out for the year, so a lot of I can, I can definitely see Mike Conley going to Indiana just to fill that void for Victor Oladipo being out for the season and possibly being on being on the team past the season because Mike Conley is a great player and Victor Mike Conley and Victor Oladipo could possibly work out uh, together. Mike Conley team. can win you a, a Mike Conley can win you a series. Yes, yes, he definitely Mike, can. Mike Conley can win you a first round or maybe a second round series. He's that good. And, 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 and it'll help out Victor Oladipo because Victor Oladipo, yes, he plays shooting guard, but he's had to play a lot of a lot of point guard with with uh, Indiana. So it, it, it kind of took him out of his role a little bit. But if Mike Conley's there to be the to be the pure point guard, that'll that'll bring him back to the two guard so he can continue to be aggressive. But I want to get back to your Blake Griffin point with Oklahoma City. That sounds Intrigue. I don't know if they can pull it off. That sounds intriguing they, to me too. But if they do it, if if they, if they make that happen, I'm telling you right now, if if Blake Griffin gets traded to Oklahoma City before Thursday, before the trade deadline, Oklahoma City is officially a legitimate threat to get to the finals. Agreed. L- a legitimate threat. But but here's the thing though. Here's the thing though, and this is this is what um I've got reports and I've got. Uh, reporters and journalists telling me this: um, Sam Presti is going to be in a very, uh, in a very, you know, a, a peculiar situation right. because they're asking for a Dennis Smith shooter, who I think is a great backup and a starting caliber uh, point guard in this league, along with Terry Rozier and others that are great backcourt yeah. players on the bench. You also got a guy like Stephen Adams that they have to move that they're paying a lot, three year for a hundred million. Do you make that trade getting? Um, getting uh Blake Griffin knowing that you might have some depth position because I, I think that uh, you know as great as Blake Griffin is that would be a good piece for Oklahoma City I think they more importantly they need shooters around George and in Westbrook what's your take on that 
That's actually true. You know what? And and to be yeah, and, and to be honest with you, it would give it would give them depth. Yes, they might lose a Dennis Schroeder or somebody like that, but if they would if they were able to keep a player like Jeremy Grant, that that would be amazing coming out the, because Jeremy Grant has stepped his game up a lot this season, and and that that's that punch. If if you're able to have that one-two combo with Blake starting and him coming off the bench, that can add to the depth right there. You know, that that can give you some bench scoring. Granted, it's not giving you the shooting outside that Dennis Schroeder can give you, and Dennis Schroeder is a starting point guard in this league coming off the bench. So. I, I see where you're coming from with that, but they they can all they can balance each other out because. Blake well, a- I think that Stephen Adams would hurt more uh, to them. Uh, just Stephen Adams, he 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 does a lot of things that's not on the stat sheet. Um, yes, yes, yes. He's, he's a great a, a great inside presence. He can score on the block. He's a great rim protector. Um, he's kind of I think the fans in Oklahoma City has kind of galvanized and and embraced the blue collar mentality that Stephen Adams is. Um, for Oklahoma City, and I think that will be a bigger hurt than Schroeder. Oh, so, so, be- so, so, so you see, so if, if Blake Griffin was to come to OKC, you see Adams gone. I see Adams gone, and I got think you. That okay, I got hurt. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I, I, I think that you know, if you got, it would work. I mean, obviously, you got great three, three All Stars. You got right. George Westbrook and and uh, Blake Griffin. I mean, you want to talk about an exciting team to watch? That'll be fun to watch, but. When you think about the postseason, you're going to need a guy inside. Blake Griffin would have to pay the five if that would happen. Stevens would be gone. Blake Griffin is not your prototypical five center. Right. He's a stretch five. You see what I'm saying? And right. so I, I think more importantly than the Schroeder move, I think that Stephen Adams would, would hurt because from what I'm hearing, it would take Stephen Adams with that big contract along with – um Schroeder and a couple picks. Maybe, yeah, they, I, if, maybe you add uh, Terrence Ferguson there. Maybe you add a young, another young piece. Um, honestly, I would do it and then worry about that. <laughs> and me as Billy Donovan, worry about how to mix and match things later because guys that Blake Griffin, who I think is a four and a half star out of a five, is still really good. Um, but I do think that that key piece in Adams would be missed. Yeah, Adams would definitely be missed. I, I take back everything I said about uh, as far as Offsetting in the paint because I I wasn't even thinking about the, the possibility of Stephen Adams being traded away. If Stephen Adams cannot leave, can cannot leave your franchise. He's 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 he has the most respect in the league out of out of almost any player because every he's 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 around the entire league. He's recognized as the strongest player in the league. Everybody feels like nobody wants to take a screen from this guy. No doubt, nobody no wants doubt. to box this guy out in the paint. He he has the most respect in the league, and we know the chemistry that him and Westbrook have. Is amazing. Like I, you don't want to a player like that is someone you need in the playoffs. I wouldn't right. get rid of. I would not get rid of him for Blake Griffin. No, I wouldn't do it. I would not. Absolutely. And and you're getting you're you're kind of trading defense for offense. As great as Blake Griffin is an offensively player um, and a special talent, defensively the things that Stephen Adams gives for you would would surely be missed in a seven game series. Nevertheless, for myself and Michael Gray here um, here on the Seven Podcast Show. Every Tuesday from weekdays here, every Tuesday on our radio show from ourselves. We want to say so long from now, right here on Sebi Podcast Show. And this is Sebi Podcast. <laughs>